this morning. Amen. Well, right before we get started, we have a pleasant surprise, and we're going to have little Victoria. She's going to come up, and she is going to read our scripture for us. Come on, give her a hand as she comes. Now, how do you want to do it? Do you want to look here, or you just want me, you want to hold it, or? Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. I will be reading John 10 to 5, from 1 to 5. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Amen. 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 Remain standing as we pray. I pray this morning. Uh, that you would just speak through me. Father, I'm, I'm your vessel, just willing to be used. Uh, Father, I pray that you would just give us a word in season and a word that will bless our hearts and make us more equipped and uh, more effective for the glory of your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. amen. Back in the 1950s, a young man started a church. The name of their church was called the People's Temple. That church began to grow, was started in Indiana, Crete, Indiana. And in the 1970s, the ministry moved to San Francisco. It became heavily rooted politically. It has some clout and the church began to grow. However, like in, we've seen examples from time to time, uh, this leader uh, became corrupt in his thinking, and he decided that he wanted to have all the church kind of separate and be away from the general population. So he moved his ministry to Jonesboro, Guyana. That man is Jim Jones. Jim Jones conducted and led around 900 people to their death. They committed suicide. It wasn't just adults. There was babies. There were children. And if you've seen some of the pictures or seen some of the document, documentaries, you see these people spread all across the place, dead from poison. 1993, this was in 1978, 
But then in 1993, there was another man. His name was Vernon Wayne Howell. He became the leader of a ministry called, uh, we like to probably call the cult of some kind, the Branch Davidians. The ATF had gotten word they were a very, very inclusive organization. The ATF had gotten word that there was sexual abuse. There's a lot of children there, and this man, Mr. Howell, um, had relationships reportedly with uh, children, sexual relationships. On top of that, it was reported that he had large amounts of illegal weapons. The ATF decided to raid that place in 1993. Uh, before they actually went inside, there was a standoff that lasted for 51 days. It culminated, if you will, with that building because the ATF and the federal, um, all the feds had decided to go in and the building ended up catching fire and 76 persons died, men, women, and children. Now, what does, what does those two stories have in common? These were both men who claimed that God spoke to them. They both said, in fact, Jim Jones says he was a prophet, and, and God had told him to move his ministry way over to Jones' barrel. We're not talking about two or three people. We're talking about 900 people. They drunk the Kool-Aid that was poisoned and killed themselves in the name of God. Because, you see, God called me to be the prophet. And God told me that this is the way that we're supposed to go out. So David Koresh, David Koresh, I remember watching him. I'm sorry, and I, I said his name was Vernon Wayne Howell, but he changed his name to David Koresh. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. David Koresh, this is back in 1993. David Koresh, and this story takes place in Waco, Texas. And he claimed, I remember listening to him on television talk about how that he was Christ. And then in some cases, he would kind of say, you know, he kind of said, well, he was the final prophet, the last prophet, that he had some revelation that nobody else knew about. And actually, before he perished in the fire, one of the things that he said was, I, before I do this, I, I need to write my last book because I've been called by God to do this. They're called by God. Now, you and I, we sit here and we say, I would never ever be led astray or do something like that. Can I submit to you today that if you do not learn to discern what is from God and what is not from God, you are vulnerable. Amen. It didn't just happen in a moment. How many know that there had to have been some kind of relationship established? And too many of God's people, sadly to say, they are more comfortable and more satisfied with the preacher telling them what the word of God says. 
instead of them taking the time to study the word of God for themselves. Can I say something to you? When you get to heaven, whoever you're relying on, whoever taught you, they won't be standing beside you before Jesus. Every one of us will have to give an account for God for ourselves. And, 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 I, and I look at this and I, and I see, and we all see these stories, and it's going on today. There, there, there are all kinds of deception that is out there today. Men are deceiving themselves. Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Do you know that you can, be, you can deceive yourself and believe your own lie? My guess is that probably David Koresh and Jim Jones really believe in their corrupt thinking somehow that they were hearing from God. And so when we hear of stories like that, and I, and I say that because I believe we're living in a time when there's going to be an increase of deception. The church cannot be comfortable with the status quo. We can't be comfortable with that no more. We need to be people that know when God speaks and when he don't speak. You need to be able to say, uh-uh, uh-uh, that is not of God. And not because brother so-and-so told me it's not of God, but because you took the time to search it out for yourself and you can say, I know this is not what God's word says. Is there any reason why the word of God is under severe attack? How many times do you hear over and over again people try to discredit the Bible? Now, resurrection time is coming, Easter. And every time, it never amazes me, they have some TV show, look for it. They have some documentary, something on TV that's, that's questioning the authenticity, the authenticity of the Bible and Jesus Christ himself. Every year, I, I, go, every, I, I see it, I watch it, and it's a spirit. It is a spirit that is designed to lead God's people astray. How do you know when it's God that spoke to you versus your own feelings or your own mind or your own thought process, whatever that might be? How do you know the difference? I hear people say all the time, God told me. God told me. How do you really know that God told you? I first want to, I want to put this on the table right up front. God cares about your life. He cares about who you marry. He cares about where you go to church at. He cares about where you move. God cares about every aspect of your life. And, and how many know that God wants to speak to you about that? Because there's some confusion today whether or not God even speaks. I mean, I hear in some churches, some fundamental churches, they don't, believe, they don't even believe today. God doesn't speak today. That was something God did in biblical days, you know, but he don't really talk to us today. You just got to pray and hope somehow that you, you nail it. Now, I don't know how you make an argument for that when the Bible, Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because he says, if I go away, I'll send my Holy Spirit. He will lead you. He will guide you in all truth. That sounds like he's alive in me. He is working in me. And that, and that God cares about my life. 
where you can come to a point in your life when you grow up in your faith. Let me put it this way. Jesus said this. Jesus says, I do nothing unless I see my father do it first. Now, you and I will look at this and say, well, he's Jesus. Give him a pass. He was 100 percent man and he was 100 percent God. If your theology is accurate, he was both. And Jesus, Jesus told the disciples to follow me as I do it. Then you're to do the same thing. Follow me. So Jesus was demonstrating how that we can become close enough to God that, that, that we can pray and God will speak to us. That's what the whole book of Acts is about. The whole book of Acts is called Acts because they were Acts of the Apostles that were led by God, that, that God spoke to them, God talked to them, and God led them, and God guided them. But you got to be sure that the voice that you hear is really coming from God. How do you know the difference? How do you know the difference? Some of these voices are telling you nowadays, don't believe the whole Bible. They're preachers in the pulpit. They're preachers in the pulpit. Do you hear me? And just because a man or a woman or whoever is standing behind the pulpit preaching doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. You should take nothing for granted. I tell you all the time, bring your Bibles, read along with me, study with me. Why? Because I don't want you to get lax about your faith. And who you are in God, because the devil knows that if you ever get a revelation of who you are in God, it'll set you free. You know, the reason why people struggle in their life, the reason why people have all kind of emotional issues, I believe, because we don't study the word like we should. Because the word of God has answers for every avenue, every aspect of your life. Every, I mean, you want to know what the Bible says about peace, it says about joy. I mean, people are paying hundreds of dollars an hour to talk to the psychologists, to sit there and look at them and say, I understand your problem. But yet the word of God is filled with wisdom and full of life. All the answers that we need, you can find it right here, right here. And you can come, yes, you can come to a point where you will hear God and God will speak to you if you discipline yourself to talk and to spend time in his presence and, yes, in his word. My question to you today, we sung a song this morning, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. My question to you this morning, how close do you want to be to God? How close? How close do you want to be to God? You are as close to God today as you want to be. God never moves. We shift all the time, don't we? We're always shifting, always shifting. But he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Isn't it good that God ain't like us? That he's not struggling with a personality conflict? I mean, now, if you listen to some people, you think God is crazy. Because God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, God. What kind of God? Your God is confused. God couldn't have said that to you because that goes contrary to what this says. He couldn't have said that to you. I'm like, wow, man, God, I wish God would make up his mind. If you listen to someone, God just, God don't know what he's doing. 
And I sit back and I marvel and I just said, Lord, help us. So in John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, he says, I want you to look at, in John chapter 10, look at the, starting at verse number seven. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. They're robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved. Okay? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Look at verse 14. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Shepherd, oftentimes what they used to do in those days, they would hire what they call a gatekeeper. Purpose was to stand there and guard the gate, and he would only allow, the gatekeeper would only allow the shepherd to come in. Sheep are not the most intelligent animals animals on the planet. You all know that, right? They're not the most intelligent. Sheep are dirty. Did you all know that? Sheep are, are dirty. It's interesting that the Lord calls us, refers to us a lot of times as sheep. Who needs a shepherd? Who needs guidance? And, and sheep, they, they, they lose a sense of direction. So oftentimes what happens is the shepherd would come. And the way that the sheep defend themselves is when they hear noise, they run. When they hear stuff that they're not familiar with, they, they get going. And so what happened is the sheep. The shepherd comes in and, and he some kind of affectionate word. I don't know, you know, whatever that word might be. And because the sheep has spent time with the shepherd, when the shepherd comes, the sheep hears the voice and they follow the shepherd. Because there is a relational context. The sheep knows the shepherd. Jesus said this. He says, my people know my voice. My people know my voice and another voice they will not follow. In fact, they will run from it. You see, it's not so much that the shepherds sit there and say, let me teach you, little sheep, how the voice sounds. So when I come, you will know. You can get so close to Jesus that you will know right out the bat. As soon as somebody comes at your door talking about some crazy doctrine. You don't even have to have to go to theological seminary. You, all you need to do is, is just be close to Jesus and you will pick it up right away because you have a relationship. You have been with him so long. You know him. And when somebody come on the horizon with some kind of crazy doctrine because you know his voice, you'd be like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not of God. I, I, no, that doesn't sound right. I've known believers who don't know the difference between those who are, quote, unquote, cults versus Christianity. You know, everything that talks about Christ ain't of Christ. 
And just because, you know, the devil, see what the devil does, he always take the truth. Here's, here's the deception part of it. Satan is, Satan is kind of smart. You know, he's, you know, he has some power. You, you're no match for the devil on your own. And, 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 and Satan, he, he, he knows. And so what he does is he takes the truth of God's word, twists it and pervert it just a little bit to derail us. To get us outside. He wanted he wanted us to be one of those sheep that I kind of left out there for the wolf to come and get. See, that's why it's another thing about sheep is they're cliquish. They love to hang together. You ever, you ever see sheep? They just kind of follow each other. See, there's protection when you're among other sheep. Come on. I don't need that church. I don't need to go to I don't need no church to worship the Lord. Okay, cool. That's totally unbiblical because it's something about the protection when we are together as sheep because we all need a shepherd. And we get strengthened and encouragement from one another. How many of you have a dog? Have a dog. How many of you have a house dog? <laughs> My dog, my dog is a, a lot of you know my dog. My dog is, 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 is not really my dog. It's, it's like the kid's dog because it's, it's little, okay? And uh, I, I, I constantly get, I, you know, I, you know I, they, they, they dog me. I got a neighbor that harasses me whenever I walk the dog. And my wife have a tendency to throw bows in the dog head. First of all, the, bull, the dog is already tiny. And... and and so my wife got this little thing going. I don't know how she does it, but every time I talk to dog to the, take the dog to the groomer, the dog comes back with all these bows on the head. And I'm like, and I snatch them right off. I said, if I'm going to pick the dog up, if I'm going to walk with the dog, the bows come off. It's bad enough that a brother my size got to walk with a teeny dog. They're not going to do that to me. Yeah, it's a girl, all right. But, but, and so, but you know, when we first got the dog, I remember the lady who gave the dog to us, she had lupus and she couldn't care for the dog anymore. And, and she would say, and, and so she said, look, I, and we was looking for a small dog because my wife was scared of dogs because she used to get chased by them all the time. So that was, her, that was her connection with dogs. That's how she lived. So she got chased every day off the school bus by dogs. And so she, she's afraid of dogs. So we had to start small with her. So help us, Lord. So anyway, when we first got the dog, you know, and we would, you know, our kids, we would start calling the dog's name. But because the dog didn't know us, the dog kind of came. I remember this vividly. And this was 10 years ago. Our dog is, is getting up there. And, and you were calling the dog. It would come. She would come, but she would come kind of slowly. Because I, I, I don't really know you yet. Yeah. But now I go to the door. And I can come to the door. Sometimes I come and she don't see me. She hear noise in the house. Boom, 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 boom. She can bark. She can do that. I give her props. She can bark. She got a strong. And, 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 but then I just say, it's me. That's all I say. It's me. And she come barreling down the stairs. And she had tail is wagging. You know why? Because she knew my voice. She know me. Because she hears my voice all the time. She's even so good, she can distinguish between who is talking to her. If Jeremiah said, Princess, go outside. Pee-pee, poo-poo. Dog, don't move. 
Dog to ain't going. But if me or Peggy say, Princess, go. Boop, she's gone. Because she know who's talking. See, we, we need to know the Savior's voice and when he speaks. Sadly, say, too many believers don't really know Jesus' voice. Everybody know what intimacy is, right? Let's just say, my dear wife, Peggy, can you come up here for a second? Let's just say, I want you to be honest with the people here, okay? If, if I talk to you today, but I didn't talk to you again until Wednesday, would you have any issue with that at all? We're in the same house. I come home, but I don't talk to you. Would you have any issue with that at all? Be nice. Now, just this is a serious moment. Yes. Yes. Why would you have issue with that? Because. Because. Come on, talk to me. I will feel like you're not paying any, any attention to me, and uh-huh. I just would feel like there's been a connect, disconnect. Uh-huh. So. so you're saying you wouldn't feel that intimacy no. with me? No. Huh. So, so, but you like it, though, when I talk to you. How about if I talk to you every day, two or three times a day, like the phone calls and texts you get from me all the time? How do you like that? I want to say two or three times a day, but... Twice a day will be fine. But, okay, time for her to sit down. Can't flow with the brother. All right. But you, you follow me? We, we would be like, you know, our wives, you know, our, you know how they do? You know how they do? You ain't talking to me. I got a feeling that Jesus says that about a, a lot of his people. You ain't talking to me. The only time you talk to me is when you need something. The only time you talk to me is when things are not going well. But you never spend time to talk to me when, when just to say hi to me, just to spend time in my presence, just to get in my word and listen to me and talk to me and just love me for who I am. A lot of times we want what's on the master's table, but we don't want the master. It's all about what the master can give us. We're talking about intimacy. You can't get close to God. You can't learn to hear his voice until you become intimate with him. Until you make up in your mind that I am going to be one of those. Watch this. That is going to make sure that I cultivate love with Jesus. Now, I know for some of us men who are really muscle bound and we got problems, you know, that sometimes we don't like to, you know, men don't like that love, love. They don't like that mushy stuff, you know, because we know, because we're men. And men don't want to, men like to hide their feelings when it comes to that. But, but men, you need to humble yourself and you need to say, Lord, I love you. You need to drop down on your knees and say, Lord, I worship you. I give you praise. I'll expose myself before you. Because if you want to, how many of you want to hear his voice? You got to get close. You got to get close. Now, I'm going to give you six ways to hear the voice of God. And make sure you're paying attention because I ask you about them in a second. Six ways that God, six primary ways that God speaks. Let me correct that. Six primary ways that God speaks. Turn to Matthew chapter number four. Sorry, 
sorry about that. Matthew chapter number four. Number one, God speaks primarily through his word. God speaks primarily through his word. If you're not spending regular time in his word, it will be very difficult for you to hear God speak. I will venture out to say that the folks that were being led by David Koresh and Jim Jones, they did not read this word for themselves. Because had they read this for themselves, they would have knew that something's wrong with that. I'm not going there. Those people that got killed in Waco, Texas would have said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh-uh-uh. I'm getting up out of here. The ATF's out there. I'm leaving. They stayed. Look at this. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, starting verse 1, I'm going to go fast because I got six of these and I want to get you out of here. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. But he answered and said to them, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I want you to look at verse 4 where that part says, it is written. Underline it in your, in the, in your Bible. Highlight it, circle it, whatever. It is written. And look at, number, look at verse number 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. How do you know the devil don't stop? Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Underline that. Circle that. He shall give his angel charge over you. In their hand they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, in verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written, circle it, highlight it, whatever, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, highlight it, underline it, circle it, whatever, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, if Jesus Christ... underscored the word. How did he deal with the devil? Every time the devil came to him, what did Jesus talk back? What did he say? He says the word, he basically said, no, here's what the word of God says. Every time, Satan, you know, and Satan just wouldn't stop. And Jesus constantly said to him, it is written, it is written, it is written. You shouldn't tempt the Lord your God. Constantly, Jesus referred back to the word. And if Jesus does that, how many know we ought to know the word? We need to be able to say it is written. When a false prophet comes knocking on your door, you you should be able to say, no, no, brother, it is written. You follow me? It is written. It, It shows the importance of the word. God primarily speaks through his word. And God will never ever tell you to do anything that contradicts the word of God. I'll follow you just about any place, but the moment that you ask me to do something that contradicts the word of God, I'm getting off that bus. Are you with me? God will never ask you, and, and no, if anybody ever asks you to do anything that, that contradicts the word, 
then you're no, under no obligation to follow it. Now, what that means is you got to know what the word of God says about situations that come up in your life. You got to know it. It's God's primary way that he communicates to us. It's through his word. You want to know God? Study his word. You want to know what God says about life? You want to say what God says about money? You want to understand what God says about healing? You want to understand what God says about relationship? You want to understand what God says about uh, marriage, about love? It's in his word. It is all in the word. God speaks primarily through his word. Do you hear me this morning? He speaks through his word. So if I want to hear God, I got to make this a priority in my life. That I get in this thing and I digest it, I eat it, I swallow it, I listen to it, I put it on when I go to work. I'm constantly getting this thing in me because I want to make sure that when God speaks, I can hear him. I don't want to be guessing at it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. Watch this. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's for pastors and people that go to seminary. They're supposed to do that. My job is just supposed to sit and listen and give money and, and do a couple of D's and leave. Is that, is, is that the way it's supposed to be? No, no. Study to show yourself approved. You got to be able to rightly divide. Everybody in here should be a teacher of some kind. That you can communicate this gospel in a way, in a a persuasive way, that will cause people to want to give their life to Jesus. And you can back it up through the word and not what somebody told you. Are you tracking with me this morning? The Bible says in, in Hebrews, watch this, 4.12, and you can write this down because i got to run. For the word of God is living, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I mean, the word of God is living. You know what that means when it says it's living? You know how some people try to say, watch this. Look up, everybody, look at, watch this. Some people try to say, you know, the Bible doesn't speak. The, the Bible is outdated. You know, it's, di- it's a different time now. How many of you have heard that before? God don't do that no more. It's a different time. It's a, it's a different season, you know. Uh, you know, that was back in biblical. That's old-fashioned. Men are the leaders of their home. That's un- that God don't think that way no more. You look at society today, you don't know who's what. Because they said, this book is outdated, so I don't read it. I'm going to follow what everybody, let me tell you something, don't follow the crowd. God ain't always in the crowd. He ain't always in the crowd. Doesn't mean he's not, but he's not always in the crowd. Hmm. So the word of God is living. It, it's, that means it's never outdated. That means it's, it's breathing right now. If you get this thing in you right now, that word right now, it's living, it's breathing. I mean, it cuts some stuff. I even know the word of God will cut you. <laughs> It'll cut you to make you bleed. It'll make you cry. I've seen some of you cry. The word of God, when it gets down in you, boy, it'll change you. It's living. That means it transcends time. It's active. 
the God of the living and not the dead. Hallelujah. The word of God is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Number two, God speaks through other people. Now, this is what you got to be careful with. How many of you have ever got one of those things? God told me to tell you. Come on. I prayed to God myself. And I, when I talked to God, he came and he gave me a message. Just for you. But you know, God do speak to other people. And if you're one of those people who think that um, I don't need nobody to tell me what to do. Here's what's cute. Y'all watch watch, watch how God does. I've learned this now for being 20 some years walking, walking with the Lord in faith. And you know what God oftentimes do? And I think he does it to keep all of us humble. The very person that you don't like, the person that you got a personality conflict with, the person, as we say, they work on my nerves. My mother used to say, you're working on my nerves, boy. God will use that person to speak to you about spiritual things. Why does God do that? I believe he does it to keep us humble. I remember the story. I, I, I should have read it. I didn't. But I think it was Naaman. He was told to go dip in the water seven times. And he said, no, I ain't, I ain't going to dip in no dirty water. No, 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 no. God should have told him to tell me to dip in some clean water. I ain't going to dip in no dirty water. Okay, brother. But you ain't going to get healed until you listen to what God got to say. I had this brother once. I was probably in my Christian faith, and I'll be honest with you. It's about, this is back in 1993, 94. And uh, a spirit of jealousy had came over my life. And I was just jealous of this one brother. Jealous, you know, because my brother was anointed. It seemed like every place I tried to step, he was there. And even when I thought I had a breakthrough, he just jumped right in front of me. And I was like, Lord, Jesus. What's wrong? I mean, what's wrong with me? Now, I know y'all ain't never experienced no jealousy before. Nobody here ever experienced that. And I remember that the Lord told me, and, and, and I started to kind of feel this kind of indifference toward him. And so but God says, and, and, God, and, and God spoke to him. And, uh, and he came, he said, brother, brother, you know, I've been, I've been praying. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, I, God, I sense there's something going on with you with, with this thing. What are you talking about, brother? <laughs> what? Because you got to be spiritual. You know, you got to hold your ground, right? You, don't wanna, you can't give up ground. You know, that's what you're thinking, right? He said, uh, uh, he asked me, he said, are you jealous? And, uh, and I just kind of stared at him because, I, you know, I didn't know what to say. And all of a sudden, tears just start welling up my eyes. Bloop, bloop, bloop. I knew I was done. I had to give it up. And God used him on a regular basis to minister to me because God saw what my deficiency was. 
And so God will put people in your path that sometimes you don't even like. You don't like the vehicle by which God wants to bless you. But if you're going to get your blessing, you got to go ahead and take it. Look at the neighbor and say, take your medicine. It's good for you. Now, now, now this is this, this story right here. Y'all know about David. David got caught with Bathsheba. You, know, you remember the story. And, and so, now how do we know that, that God could have, like, spoke to David, right? <laughs> I mean, God is God. Can he, like, tell you directly? You ever thought about that? I mean, God could have just went right straight to Nathan, and he could have said, um, uh, I'm sorry, to David. He could have said, David, what you doing? God didn't do that. God let him commit the sin with Bathsheba, kill her husband. You're talking about corruption of power. I mean, his brother wasn't corrupt. Gaddafi ain't got nothing on what David was doing. I'm just saying. I mean, David, just for, just for a pretty woman. And Sean is still trying to process that, but it's just, that's what we get about. But the, I'm just making a point here. Um, but the point of it is, is God could have went straight to David, and God could talk, but David, God sends a prophet. Why did God send a prophet? God, can't you just tell me what's up with me? Why do you got to send Peggy? Why do you got to send Edwin to me? I mean, God, I, I got a relationship with you. Don't, you don't have to send brother so-and-so. You don't have to send brother Kevin. You don't have to send more. You don't have to send Larry. You don't have to send. Lord, you can just talk directly to me because everybody don't need to know what's going on with me in the first place. How <laughs> you know your sin will find you out? Right. You, you can't hide nothing from God. Right. I don't care what you do after a while. At some point, and when you think you got away with it, you know, it's just like the criminal that robbed the bank. Boy, they think they got it made because they lost all the police cars, but then they forgot to look up because the helicopter is right on it. <laughs> Your sins will find you out. And so, 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 so here, 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 David, you know, and I'm not going to read all this, but so he starts telling, I'm going to paraphrase. Ah, I'll just read it. Come on. Y'all ready? Read with me. Then the Lord said, Nathan to David, and he came to him, and he said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks. Now look how God set him up. How many know God will set you up? <laughs> but the poor man had nothing. He has no idea what's about to happen to him, except one little Ulam, uh, Elam, which he had brought and nursed, and it grew up together with him and his children. So God was really talking about but uh, Uriah, who David took his wife, and that's all he had was his, was his wife, and David took it. That's what God's really talking about, but he's using this, this parable. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his own bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. A traveler came to the rich man and refused to take from his own flock, from his own herd, to prepare uh, for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb, prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David angered. Now watch this. Now David hot. David anger. His anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who done this shall surely die. Watch it now. Brother, you just spoke, your, you prophesied to yourself. <laughs> and, 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 and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and he, because he had no pity. Now, this is David talking. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. I can imagine that Brother David's heart must have sank. I would have just, you know, if that was me, I just would have did one of these. <laughs> and then David, the story ends with David ending up repenting of his sin and trying to get it right with God. 
But how many know that God will speak through other people? So that's why it's important to be connected with the body because God was, you know, sometimes when you're here, you know, you guys show up, there, there, there are some things that you can speak in my life that can help me. Okay. See, a lot of times we think we go to church and it's just, I mean, we, number one, we come to church and worship God, right? But, you know, also we come to church to encourage each other. And perhaps what I'm going through through the course of the week, you got an answer for me. That you say a couple of words to me. Maybe you can help me. Maybe something in your life. Because if all of us are praying, watch this. Lord, use me today. Think about it. If everybody prayed that, Lord, use me. Lord, you know, think about how much people will be built up and edified and encouraged in their walk with God. So understand, God speaks to other people. Number three, we only got six of these. Number three, we're going to roll. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through circumstances. I'll just read this. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man mind plans his way, but the Lord, or God, directs his steps. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, do we have that? We may not, because I know I was. Now, when they had gone through, somebody working me on that word. And uh, we'll just get when they had gone through blank and the region of Galatia, they, they, were, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach their word in Asia. You know, now it doesn't really elaborate on how they were forbidden. Maybe it could have been a financial thing. God didn't provide for them. Or maybe it could have been some physical resistance. But, you know, that. One of the things that you don't want to be, and you can write this down. I, 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 may, I came up with this thing 20 years ago. You don't want to be a spiritual burglar. What is a spiritual burglar? Do you know what a spiritual burglar is? You can start with burglar. What is a burglar? Mm-hmm. Right. Steals what? Is he breaking in somebody's house? That's usually what they're doing, right? You know that. Don't you answer because you, you cheat. You can't. But you know a spiritual burglar is they force doors down that they ain't supposed to be opening. You know that, that, that a lot of times we have to learn how to listen to God and that sometimes God speaks through circumstances and, and, and the provision is not there. You all heard me say over and over again, I talked about our house, how we wanted to move state and north. Virginia, further northern Virginia, and we ended up in Stafford, and I tried everything I could to get out of that. I tried everything I could. I hate to tell you that. I tried everything I could not to stay in Stafford. And then, but that was the only door that God had opened up for us, and when it opened up, it just opened. It's like, boom. God spoke through circumstances. How many of you remember the story of Elijah? And you can look it up in your, in your, private, in your private time. In Elijah, 1 Kings 17, verses 1 through 8. We don't have, any time, we don't have time to go there. But 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. Elijah was being provided for by God. He was on the run from Jezebel. And you run from Jezebel. Jezebel was bad. That's a whole other sermon, Jezebel. But, and, and so he's running from Jezebel. Uh, he's on the run. And what we find there... I'm sorry. What's number, what, what, what number was, was I at? First King, I'm on number three. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Yeah, God speaks through circumstances. Gotcha. And so you remember the brook ran dry. And when the brook ran dry, it was time for him to go to another location. 
Sometimes you got to understand in your life that when God is speaking to you, if God don't make provision for you for what you want to do, don't be a spiritual burglar. God says no a lot of times through circumstances. Or God says yes. He'll open a door. He'll close a door. See? And sometimes we, we, you know how we get when we get determined to have what we want? We'll force that door down. We're going to make a way because I believe this is what God wants. I'm for Let me tell you something. Learn how to wait on the Lord. Amen. God speaks through circumstances. All right? What's the number we are? Number four? God speaks through our spirit. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 3, or 1 through 3. You have that? Uh, now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Mene, and who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetriot, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, now watch this. They were all together praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke. You know, God will speak to your spirit. God will speak to you and tell you. And God spoke to them as they were praying and said, separate me, Barnabas and Paul, to the work that I have called them to do. Uh, Colossians 3.15 talks about let the peace of God rule in your hearts. One of the things that I think is important is that when you have a sense that you want to do something or, or you're about to make a decision to do something and you don't have peace in your heart, you better wait. When the Holy Spirit, a lot of times God will put a check in your spirit. Everything looks right. It looks good. It looks like I'm supposed to do this. But then you just say, you ever, you ever done that before? He says, something's not right. I don't know. I just need to. You ever been there? Just, I don't know. Something's not right with this. I mean, everything seems right. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So if you don't have peace about it, then you need to, at minimum, you need to wait until you get peace. Are you with me? Because most of the time I've gotten in trouble with God is not because I waited, but because I went too fast. Let me say that again. Most of the time I got in trouble with God is not because I waited on the Lord. It's because I went too fast ahead of him. We will do good to learn to wait for God and make sure that we have his peace as we go on. And when we have his peace, you know. So God speaks to our spirit. Number five, he speaks through a still small voice. First Kings 19 verses 11 through 13. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Listen to that. And after that, the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after that, the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after that, fire, a still small voice. All right, watch this. And you know what? God, God speaks in a still small voice. I've, I've had times in my life that that I've known. I mean, I, in fact, let me tell you this. We had uh, student loans. How many know about, about student loans? I had them when I was in college, you know, and I couldn't pay them all until I had to make, you know, I just got out. We just got married, and boy, it was, you know, I had to pay for my own college. You know, I had to go to school. I had to work. And, uh, and I remember we were just about to buy our first house, a little townhouse over in Manassas Park. 
and the lady got on the phone, and I needed to talk to this lady about her loans. And I said, I'm going to make plans. And, and this lady said to me, now, everything was going well. They said, our credit was good. But we didn't really have any credit because I didn't get a credit card because I didn't believe in them because I was scared. I was going to just do crazy stuff with it. So, so they told, the lady got on the phone. She says to me, and I call her. She says, do you really think that you're going to get that loan? When they call here, I want to tell you, you're not going to get a loan until you pay off. What you owe. What do you think? You think that they're going to give you a loan? And I, and I remember hanging on the phone like, you're going to get the house the, you know, crying. And I remember her voice just being so rasping, so angry. And, but see, I was still trying to learn how to hear God's voice. You know, God speaks in a still small voice, which means that most of the time you're going to have to cut off most of the noise around you in order to hear God. If you're one of those people that got to have stuff running all the time, I got to pray for you because God speaks in a still small voice, which means that you got to, you got you ever met a person that's soft spoken? I had a chief one time. Uh, I can't say his name, but uh, last name started with a Y and he used to come to the roll call. And, and every time he talked, he, he talked like this. Well, you know, we had, um, everything's been going well on the police department and, uh, you know, um, you know, we're trying to get the budget through. Uh, we're working on it. Uh, we're trying and everybody should be sitting there. What is he saying? And I, I, we're just trying to hear, what, what is he saying? Can you speak up? Can I say something to you? God ain't going to speak up. Now, God is sometimes, God will step in and save you and help you. You know, he might do some drastic things. But a lot of times, if you want to hear God, you're going to have to get in a quiet place. You can have to turn off your TV, turn off your phones, turn off your, your, your electronics, turn off everything. You're going to have to cut the dishwasher off, the washing machine off, and you got to be like this. Like, like me trying to hear that cheek. What are you saying? Because that's how God speaks. His voice. It's still a small voice. Number six. Here's a fun one everybody likes. God speaks through visions and dreams. Now, I know, well, wait a minute. You know, God ain't really, you know, these dreams, you know, people be having. You know how we get, we can go to one extreme to the other. We get somebody that's abusive to come up with crazy stuff and see crazy vision, and then we throw the baby out with the bathroom. All of it ain't no good. But how many know that God spoke through Joseph in a dream? And, and, and Acts, just so you know, in, 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 in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13, God spoke to Joseph about that he could go back because uh, uh, I believe Herod was dead. You remember when he was, when, when they gave birth to the Christ child, he and Mary, that the angel came and appeared to him. An angel even told him in a dream, go ahead and you can marry her. God speaks in dreams. God also speaks in visions. You remember Peter in uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 5. You can't read it. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. God spoke in a vision. God was trying to get Peter to understand that the gospel is not just meant to be preached to Gentiles, but the gospel is meant to be preached to everybody. And so God showed him this picture, like this little enclosed box with all kind of animals in it. And God says, arise and eat. And Peter saw this vision and God was communicating to him a truth. Kind of like sometimes in. You know, I'll be praying for people and, and, and believing God. There have been times when I've been praying for people and God just, and some of you have experienced this. God just shows me a picture to relate a truth and I'll just share that with you. God speaks in vision and God speaks in dreams. Now, let's go back. Let's do a recap. Six. Number one, how does God speak? Number two. 
Number three. Number four. Number five. And number six. Vision and dreams. And make sure that before you tell somebody your dream, that you didn't have a whole lot of peace of the night before. Amen. Every head is bowed. That's just went over some of you.